It's because you're crying because you know what's going to happen next. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Hey. Hey. Happy New Year, I think. Is it Happy New Year? I think so. Oh, look at you, big New Year with your new New Year. 2022. Oh my gosh, Carly, I thought I was excited for 2020 to end, but I'm so excited for 2021 to end. Like, I I think I've like spouted this from the rooftops, but I was like, 2020 was horrible society wise. (laughs) Like it was like, oh, crying. It was all the time crying. 2021 was like a really personal, deep, terrible journey. Right. And now we're at the end of it. And it's like, cool, let's never do that again. (laughs) Praise be. The year's no, almost I, over. I hate I hate New Year's. Um I Why? hate yeah. I hate You hate everything that brings people joy. Why? No. That's you not, hate Christmas. I do. And you hate New Year's. <laughs> okay, I don't hate Christmas. Christmas stresses me out. New Year's, I'm always disappointed. What do you mean? Because the reason that I don't like it is because I don't like no judgment to if this is your thing, but I don't like the metaphorical like closing of the chapter. Wow, twenty twenty two. It's gonna be so different. It's gonna be so like like to me that's annoying. Like putting so much emphasis and weight on that change when really it's just another day. Yes. Um, and also, I don't like <laughs> the passage of time because it's scary, and I want to stay a baby forever (laughs) and a little bit of existential dread and fear of i i always do every new year's like literally every new year's since i was like a teenager like i've just always hated it huh it's weird that i didn't know that about i guess i didn't know it about you we just never celebrate new year's together yeah like if i think we have like one time when you lived in philly but yeah like i don't know it's just not it's just not my thing i don't know Mm -hmm. i i i think that also i hate new year's when i'm more depressed and like Mm, not in a good spot in life and like at this point i'm like you know the depression is there but like generally i'm in a good spot in life so maybe this coming new year's will be okay you know what i mean like when when you're sitting in like things that you're not uh content with and you're just like fuck everyone's excited for new year's i'm not excited so you know i am a little bit of that type of person or i have been in the You're past a little so. scrooge mcgold year over here definitely but anyways that's me so happy new year's everybody uh <laughs> wow cheers. totally want to celebrate now <laughs> well i on the other hand am the good angel i love new year's <laughs> i want fucking streamers out my ass i love new year's no i actually am a big fan of low-key new year's Mm -hmm. i do not like the big craziness i like small gatherings Mm -hmm. i like not big decorations and like create everybody makes a crazy dish i Mm -hmm. want it to be like chill fire you know like a bonfire maybe or just fucking relaxing smoking some weed and playing some games because New Year for New Year's for me is like just a way for me to be like, you know what? I didn't have a dividing line before, but now I do. Yeah. No, and for I sure. I think it's the opposite. Like when I'm depressed, it's like a motivator. Yeah. Like it for me, it's like, you know what? That was the old me. I know I'm the same person, <laughs> but I have a new outlook, and sometimes that's enough to get me out of this sad spot for a right. little, you know? Right. And that's the difference. I do also definitely, I do set goals, like, primarily for my business. 
I kind of am like, okay, in this new mm-hmm. upcoming year, like this is what I want to achieve with my business. Da, 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 da. So I mean, that's not so much like, sense, though, yeah, for not, like a personal business owner. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not so much like resolutions, but like, okay, as I'm yeah. growing my business, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. you know, I'm definitely not as like cynical and hating New Year's this, this coming New Year's as I usually am. So, wow. But well, I hope someday our <laughs> people can be friends. Yeah. We get along. <laughs> our New Year's people, yeah. our New Year's uh, selves. Yeah. Yeah. It's just something about being relaxed and enjoying the New Year. I don't, I'm not a big resolutions person. I'm more of a intentions person mm. because resolutions act like, to me, feel all or nothing. Yeah. That's like, to me, like, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to do this. And intentions feel more like, I'm going to be healthier and nicer to myself and I'm going to be more intuitive with my body. So like if I'm hungry and I want a salad, I'm going to have a salad. If I'm hungry and I want a fucking Snickers ice cream bar, Mm. that's what it's going to have to be sometimes. Not every day, but if you listen to your body, you're like, okay, that's That's less of intuitive eating. Yeah, that's nice. (laughs) Anyways, I just like it because it's a clear way to be like, I'm going to be better. Yeah. I'm going to try to be better. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It's good stuff. So, everybody, hi. Um, my name's Carly, and that person's Kelsey. I'm the good witch. She's the good witch. I'm the evil wicked witch of the West. This uh, week. Usually, I'm the evil witch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, our podcast is called Brought to You by the Letter. Um, thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time, you should probably go back and listen to the episode before this, if this is your first time listening, just because we're on part two. And like, I don't want to brag, but there's like a whole other season And there's a whole this. other alphabet. But about- yeah everything you didn't even know you wanted to learn yeah. about fucking quicksand Werewolves, what's that about quicksand bloody mary not a bitch not okay a- let's hear about it <laughs> let's talk about it yeah so so our podcast we just teach each other about so many things things that we should have learned but forgot things that we learned in school but didn't really like learn in school things and we- that we learned and then like stopped learning yeah because we school yeah because we were 16 and we didn't yeah. want to anymore um so we go by the alphabet alphabetical order and we are on part two of c and that is chernobyl and kelsey's going to continue her depressing but fascinating story on chernobyl so yeah are you guys get, ready let's buckle if up. you have a pet just give them a nice little snuggle and hold Ooh, and kiss actually, on the top of their head. There's a really sad animal Fuck. tidbit if you want to know it. I can I can forego the information. No, give me all the info. Okay. I well, need we to won't, know. Don't worry. We're not there yet. Okay. Get some Pino. Hug your <laughs> snuggliest friend or pet. And uh, let's get started. I just like holding my dog because she gets really warm when she gets all curled up. I enter her space and she doesn't want me to and i get my arms under her and it's Dude, so both of warm. our dogs not like being like cuddled like to an extreme i 100 percent like push my boundaries with my dog and like i think that she tolerates me but you can tell she's like bitch you just woke me up i was dead asleep dude listen i think our dogs are literally very yeah. similar in that way because both of our dogs probably were abused and yes so it's like but we're not pushing the boundaries in terms of like they're like Ah! It's no. just like they're like, what is this? What is this? This love? is love. <laughs> so this is love. That song plays every time I hold because I just like cut Maggie's face because it just fits perfectly in my hands, and I just go, "You wear the best." Stop! I'm girl. gonna cry. She is because she is. You know, she's had a hard life and she deserves all the treats. Yeah, all the little dogs bits. are the best. They're the best. They're the best. 
And just a tip, if you ever have to evacuate your home, which you're about to learn about, make sure you take your dog with you. Uh, always. Because we have some... First and only thing I'm taking, so... <laughs> I'm only taking my dog. Okay. So, last week, when we left off, we were talking about science. We mm-hmm. learned about nuclear fission, how it works. Then we recounted the events, the disaster, how the science worked behind the disaster. Right. <laughs> and then we got to meet our hero, Knight in Shining Armor, Valery Lagozov, was a really smart scientist and headed a bunch of the efforts there with a bunch of other scientists, which are just, there's like so many, so too many to name. But Valerie Lagosov is our main character in this story. Awesome. So all these calls, we're going to say that he made, him and the scientist made. But he was great because he was on site the whole time. Yeah. The whole time. And nobody else was. Right. That's the thing. It's like this, you know, the scientists were like kind of going in and out, like filtering like, okay, people were filtering in and out, but he was like there. Yeah. He's like there the whole time. He's just like, I work here now. They're like, my shift's up. I got to go. Right. And And he's like, okay, well, I'll just be here fixing the world while you all get some PB and J. J. What do they have in there? (laughs) And in Russia, (laughs) borscht. (laughs) Your PB and borscht. All right. Everybody always says that as like a Russian food, but I have no idea. Like, is it a soup? Is it a meat? I think it's a meat soup. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) There you go. You're going to be so... Now I have to find out. Borscht. 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 Oh, okay. Borscht is a soup. Wow. Wait, is it a meat soup? Because then we just Or is it like a cabbage soup? Oh, it's probably a cabbage. It looks like there's some kind of radish, maybe? Cabbage soup is actually really good. Ooh, this... Borscht actually looks kind of good. <laughs> Borscht. Okay, it looks vegetarian. Huh? It has beets, olive oil, chicken broth, potatoes, carrots, celery, red bell pepper, onion, ketchup. Ew, okay. Don't worry. People get ketchup and barbecue. It's like totally normal. Is that really it? That's really simple. And I thought was... Why did I think it was a meat? I don't know. I was thinking of haggis, haggis. probably. Yeah. yeah, that was Borscht Corner. Yeah, welcome to welcome to the borscht. Uh, wait, the, the borscht dome. I don't know. Borscht, welcome to the borscht dome. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, man, I need another cup of espresso. Don't mm-hmm. you? Right, it's about to get really sad. So we learned all about Valerie Lagasov, mm-hmm. BFF. We love him. Now we go on to the evacuation. It took a day and a half for the Soviets to finally evacuate the closest city to the disaster. Hmm. It's called Pripyat. Pripyat, Pripyat, Pripyat. To ex- <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 it's not, nothing is funny here. It's just like, it's actually so, I'm having the uncomfortable laughter of like, I'm going to be really sad for the next hour. You yeah, know? I hear okay. you. So just buckle in. Okay. To expedite the evacuation, residents were told to only bring what was necessary and that the evacuation would last for only three days. Obviously, this was a lie. Many personal belongings were left behind and remain in Pripyat to this day. Mm. In the end, 30,000 individuals would be evacuated from Pripyat and an additional 23,000 people were evacuated from various villages of the Kiev region. It would not be until another 10 days after the accident that the Soviet Union would evacuate the surrounding... 30 kilometers. This is now known as the Chernobyl nuclear power plant exclusion zone, and it has remained uninhabited ever since. Yikes. It is said to remain too toxic for human habitation for the next 20,000 years. 
I know. It's fucking insane. A total number of permanently resettled persons is estimated at 350,000. Wow. It's actually kind of crazy. The Apparently, the plant life is doing hella good. Like, the flora and fauna yeah. in the exclusion zone is like, we are thriving yeah. with our radioactive shit. They, I mean, they are radioactive, I think. Right. But they're not like three heads. Like, it's not, what we, it's not like what we've been right. conditioned to believe at the Chernobyl horror story or, right. you know. It's like radioactive fox, feexes, foxes, foxen, yeah. you know. <laughs> I hate English sometimes. <laughs> Feeks and foxen. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, because Kyle always brings up like ox and how multiple ox are oxen. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, so why aren't multiple box called boxen? <laughs> and he brings it up all the time. It's like, what is English? Anyways, going back he to... He should just like straight face like Ed, if he ever has to talk to anybody. <laughs> be like, hey, can you grab me? <laughs> hey, Hey, uh, Matt, can you grab me those boxen over there? <laughs> can you grab me a couple boxen? <laughs> Are you going to Staples? I need, like, three boxen. <laughs> the the like... small ones would be good. I just have to ship a couple oh, things. And it's like yeah, goose, some boxen. goose, geese, moose, moose meese. <laughs> what is it? Is moose the plural of moose? Yep. So the Soviet government is currently in denial and isn't believing the facts that are happening because it's not what they want to hear in the mini series hbo chernobyl amazing <laughs> i'm sorry i'm really gonna say i promise this is the last time i hope by the letter pod is sponsored by, by hbo chernobyl five-part mini series starring jared, jared harris, harris. And <laughs> i don't know it. anybody else <laughs> and some other people thank you so the mini series one of the first lines is what's the cost of lies and what this is referring to is the soviet government's denial of what was happening and not facing the truth we talked about it a little bit last episode but this was the time of the cold war and the kgb and when faced with the truth Mm -hmm. supervisors would freaking be like don't tell me that shit like fix it that's not true it can't be true it's not true I'm not reporting that, but I'm telling you a fact. That's so... Last episode, I also referenced relatable work issues, but I've had instances like that, too, where, like, you go to your boss and you're like, hey, this file that you told me to find isn't in that folder, and they're like, yes, it is. And you're like, okay, I hear you. This is a communist government. (laughs) Okay, I hear you, but it's not. And then I cry in the bathroom later after over it. But this is a little bit. It's a little bit different. It's a little different. Just a little different. It's an oppressive government slash an oppressive workplace. Both oppressive. Still frustrating. Yes, absolutely. My feelings are valid. My experiences are valid. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. But the cost of lies is many innocent lives in this matter. So not this is not a workplace. No, not Carly crying in the bathroom. We're not talking about you crying in the bathroom. No. What we come to find is in the face of tragedy that those high in their towers like aren't the ones who saved the day you know it's the individuals that will meet along the way that are going to sacrifice their personal well-being to save their fellow man and woman and the people at power are just like i don't want to hear this right now i'm not believing this yeah and my ignorance is costing right thousands of lives yeah i'm going to do my best to highlight some of the individuals that we meet along the way for this story the soviet union is in clear denial of what was happening They weren't honest with their citizens about the disaster, and they weren't honest with the world about what happened. Mm. 
So it would be an additional one and a half days after the evacuation. So three days Mm -hmm. after the disaster happened. Meanwhile, it's still on fire. Yeah. You know, it's not like they have it under control. No. It's still on fire. It's been on fire for three days. It wouldn't be three days until they publicly acknowledged the accident to the world. And it wasn't because of like some moral conscience that they had. It was because they got caught. Uh Uh-huh. So on the morning of April 26th, Radiation levels set off alarms in the Forsmark nuclear power plant in Sweden, over 1,000 kilometers away or 620 miles from the Chernobyl plant. So this nuclear power plant is having a radiation spike. Sweden was like... They're like, uh, what the fuck? Nothing's going on here. Where could this be coming from? And automatically it's the meme of like the person with the headache and it's like, stress levels living next to Russia. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? No. It's like four parts of a head highlighted and the first one's like frontal headache. Yes, I know uh, what you mean. Sinus headache, pressure headache, and then headache living next to Russia. (laughs) Anyways, or or I was thinking of the meme of they're like, why is our radiation level so high? It's the meme of the lady doing the math. Looking oh, yeah. Confused. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's how many? A thousand kilometers away? Um, hmm. It's coming Carry from the one inside the house. <laughs> oh, scary. <laughs> Sorry. They were able to determine that the radiation was coming from somewhere else. So the Swedish government contacted the USSR to ask if there had been a nuclear accident in the Soviet Union. Um, Totally normal. Um, Hey, Jan. Um, So our levels are going off and you're like the closest power plant. So like, what the fuck's going on? Oh, nothing over here. So wait, did they lie when they asked? So they initially denied it. Are you fucking kidding? It was only until after the Swedes said that they were going to contact like the official international atomic energy agency that the soviet union admitted to the accident so the iaea they're the people that everybody answers to in terms of atomic energy so they were like well we're gonna okay we're gonna contact dad and then they're like okay actually i'm sorry i'm sorry i did it i did it i'm sorry and (laughs) don't tell mom don't tell mom um so At first, they said it was just a minor accident, but once they began evacuating more than 100,000 people, the global community started to realize the full scale of the situation. So, again, it's like they're still fucking lying. They're like, oh, we're just moving these people. Don't worry about these sheeple moving around here. (laughs) Finally, on the evening of April 26th, the Soviet Union finally acknowledged the disaster publicly in a 20-second announcement that read... There has been an accident at Chernobyl nuclear power plant. One of the nuclear reactors was damaged. The effects of the accident are being remedied. Assistance has been provided for any effective people. An investigative commission has been set up. Wow. And you're like, okay. <laughs> um, the, that's like giving um, them the bare minimum okay. information too. Yeah. The TASS, TASS, the Telegraph Agency of the Soviet Union, <laughs> which doesn't even make sense because it's SS, Soviet Union, the TASU. They then discussed the Three Mile Island accident and other American nuclear accidents, mm-hmm. which was common as a Soviet tactic of like, it's called whataboutism, right. which attempts to like discredit an opponent's position by charging hypocrisy without like directly refuting or disproving the arguments. Listen, so it's like, well, Candace broke no, literally, the vase, I, but like... Yeah, well, maybe I, I broke the vase, but Candace broke like five vases. Right. like Over her entire life. I hate that shit. But the United States, they, yeah. those nasty skank bitches. Yeah. 
So the mention of a commission, however, indicated to observers that this was a very serious incident. And subsequent state radio broadcasts were replaced with classical music, which was a common method of preparing the public for an announcement of tragedy. Oh, God. Yikes. It's like dystopian. It's like... Like, it's like they're just playing that over the radio because they're like, great, classical music. That means that they're going to fucking tell us some shit. Yeah, that's very like a dystopian movie. Scary. I don't like it. Yeah. So let's get back to our nuclear reactor that's like on fire, shall we? Okay, if we must. Great. So in the days following the explosion, the commission determined that they could put out the fire by flying thousands of helicopters over the burning reactor and continuously dropping more than 5,000 tons or 11 million pounds of sand, lead, (laughs) clay, and boron to extinguish the fire. Okay. It is now known that virtually none of these materials reached the core. Historians estimate that about 600 Soviet pilots risked dangerous levels of radiation to fly over the reactor. So as stated in last week's episode, this fire would continue to burn for 15 days. Yeah. Now you have to understand, like, this had never, ever happened before. No nuclear reactor in the world had exploded. So they were writing the playbook as it was happening. They were throwing shit at the wall and hoping that something happened. Throwing sand and boron and... Yeah, so you cannot blame them. Like, it's not a bad plan. They obviously made informed plans because it's, like, science and shit. Right. (laughs) Because they're smarter than us. Right. (laughs) And do that. But... It's nutty. It's like a shame because these pilots were essentially flying over a core of radiation. So a lot of people obviously have health issues afterwards. Unfortunately, one helicopter collided with like a crane or like the crane string. It's not a string, but rope. Cable. Thank you. You're welcome. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Construction cable. And um, it fell into the reactor. They have it on film. It is not good. So in addition to the fire, smoldering graphite, fuel, and other material that was at more than 1,200 degrees Celsius or 2,190 degrees Fahrenheit started to burn through the reactor floor and mixed with molten concrete from the reactor lining. This created what's known as corium, which is a radioactive semi-liquid material that's comparative to lava. Great. So there's literally like radioactive lava seeping down. Great. So it's going really well. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Like, it, you know, it's just like, I can't. They worried that this mixture was going to melt through the floor into the pool of water beneath the reactor, resulting in additional steam production that would further contaminate the area or even cause another steam explosion, another explosion. causing more radioactive material to be ejected from the reactor. Lovely. It became evident that they needed to drain the pool of water to prevent another bout of disasters. So they recruited three volunteers from the plant because they had to know the layout of yeah. the, under where, the yeah, reactor. Three volunteers had to go in an already flooded space, wade through a tunnel system, and manually open the bubbler pool gates in the dark. So I believe this is the scene that has stuck in my mind from the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. Yes. So, because it's terrifying. This scene is very well done. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say more than that, but they're also wearing dosimeters, which calculate the right. amount of radiation in the area. So these things are like going off yeah. while they're like just wading through radioactive water right. in these wetsuits. And it is traumatizing to watch. Yeah. 
even a reenactment of it is traumatizing to yes. watch. Plant engineers Alexei Anenko, Valery Bespalov, and Boris Baranov wore wetsuits and entered the underground corridor on the edge of the reactor building, an area that had become filled with firefighting water and coolant water. This was to locate and open release valves to drain the water. It was rumored that all died following the mission and had been buried in tightly sealed zinc coffins. However, all three survived the mission and went on to actually live pretty long lives. Wow. Which is like a shocker. Yeah. Because they were like in the depths of it. They were in it. And like they were not commended for their sacrifice, essentially. Yeah, I mean. You know? It was later proven, unfortunately, that this did not need to be done since the corium had begun already dripping into the water which they found out later and nothing catastrophic had happened. Okay. But again, they're all everything, every decision that they're making right. they're just like, um, well, is based on probability. And this will be a theme throughout this episode, throughout anything you hear about Chernobyl, but they are essentially weighing the amount right. of lives that will be taken. Right. If that disaster happens and it's right. like really fucking shitty, yeah. like to be in that position. So again, like we need to emphasize that this has never happened before. So they were, again, just trying. They're like, we have got to do this for the good of humanity. We have to risk these three men's lives in order to save potentially thousands, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. X, Y, and Z. Another huge concern was that the molten core could further melt down into the earth and contaminate the groundwater, which would affect from Kiev to the Black Sea, which would threaten millions of lives. Commission, again, it's like not a small issue, you know, it's like millions of lives. It could potentially ruin the Black Sea forever. It's fine. (laughs) So the commission recruited 400 miners to work around the clock to dig a tunnel under the reactor and create space for a heat exchanger to essentially block this from affecting the water supply. Temperatures beneath the reactor were as high as 122 degrees Fahrenheit. Fuck. They weren't able to bring fans into the tunnels because it would blow up radioactive dust into the air. So the miners would dig naked. What? (laughs) Like, and honestly, this scene from the HBO Chernobyl Mm -hmm. miniseries, it's a great scene because these guys are like no nonsense fucking guys. Like they're like... We're still wearing the fucking hats. What do you want us to do? Like, they're just, oh and it's like, God. it's like amazing. They're just badasses. They were tasked to complete this tunnel and it was said to take like three months. They finished it in six weeks. Yeah, I would too. I mean, right. I would too. Again, but like, they're in a highly radioactive situation. They're not wearing any protection. Not that it would have mattered, right. but the amount of sacrifice yeah you do it because you have to do it and you're saving the world it's just like fuck you're just like fuck fuck yeah it's just too much so during their work miners were exposed to radiation levels of the equivalent to anywhere between eighty thousand and hundred and sixty thousand chest x-rays wow it's believed that approximately one out of four chernobyl miners later died as a result of radiation poisoning many dying from cancer Mm. We come to find out later, again, unfortunately, that the fuel had flowed three floors down and it came to a rest at ground level, making the precautionary tunnel not necessary. Fucking kidding me. The excavation was then simply filled in with concrete to strengthen the foundation below the reactor. And like, again, I know I've said it like 80 times, but we can't blame anyone who had to make this call. These are really grim situations that had to be made, weighing the imp- the potential impact versus, like... Right. It's absolutely horrible. There was a 50% chance that it could have melted down. It was 50-50. So yeah. it's like, we have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You really only have one path forward. 
yeah, so the potential impact would have affected millions of lives, and they had no way of knowing it was going to happen. Next terrible catastrophic thing that we had to take care of. <laughs> Thankfully, this is, well, it's not one of the last. <laughs> I <laughs> Speechless. So in the months after the explosion, attention turned to removing the radioactive debris that had blown onto the roof mm-hmm. from the explosion. It was estimated that there was approximately 100 tons of debris on the roof that had to be removed in order to enable the safe construction of a sarcophagus that would essentially entomb the reactor and reduce the radioactive dust that was being released into the atmosphere. So the initial plan was to use robots to clear the debris off the roof. So the Soviets used approximately 60 remote-controlled robots, most of them built in the Soviet Union themselves. Many, though, failed due to the difficult terrain and combined with the effect of the high radiation levels, destroyed their batteries and electronic controls. Short circuit. Yeah, I think they tried to bring a moon rover on. Like, nothing would work. Hmm. Consequentially, the most highly radioactive materials were shoveled by Chernobyl liquidators from the military, wearing heavy protective gear, which we know probably did dick in that scenario. This is the crazy part. And this to me... This is the crazy part? I guess guess it's all (laughs) fucking crazy. But this is still, like, insane to me. They needed to essentially use human robots. Yeah. Bio-robots is, what I think, what they called them. The catch is that the soldiers could only spend a maximum of 90 seconds on the rooftop because the extremely high doses of radiation that was coming from the blocks of debris and, like, graphite in that area. Because this is highly radioactive material. So they, they had to, like run onto the roof as fast as they could, take a shovel, move a piece or two of debris off, and then their time was done. 90 seconds was your lifetime supply of radiation. That's all you got. And (laughs) only 10% of the debris was able to be cleared by robots, so the other 90% was removed by approximately 5,000 men who absorbed, on average, an estimated dose of 25 rem of radiation each. Could you imagine those 90 seconds? And that's it. Then you're done. You're technically supposed to only do one. There's apparently accounts of people going five or six times, which is really unfortunate. Obviously, it's horrible. The sarcophagus was constructed from June to late November of that year. This was obviously very dangerous work, and they did their best to provide protection to the workers. But, yeah, you know, they lined some equipment with lead. But it had to be done. So it was like, again, like we've seen time and time again, it's just people doing what had to be done, risking their lives. Right. Chernobyl liquidators are another part of the cleanup crew. They were civil and military personnel called upon to deal with the disaster cleanup. These liquidators are widely credited with limiting both the immediate and long-term damage of the disasters. They are very essential. Everybody literally in the story is essential. Mm -hmm. Surviving liquidators are qualified for significant social benefits due to their veteran status. Many liquidators were praised as heroes by the Soviet government and the press, while some struggled for years to have their participation officially recognized. Hmm. There were so many roles that were needed from literally using machines to spread this like slop like material called borda which means molasses but it's like this thick water-like substance that binds itself to radioactive particles or Mm. particulates and allowed for the decontamination of like roads and forests and buildings so that was sprayed out of trucks and helicopters and fire hoses like that was Hmm. part of the cleanup there were 
groups of female janitors who are tasked with cleaning up food left inside the abandoned homes to prevent outbreaks of infectious disease. I mean, there's literally anything you could think of. And I mean, this is the terrible story that you don't want to hear. Special hunting squads were assigned to exterminate domesticated animals left in evacuated settlements. And if you get to that part in the miniseries, I... I would suggest skipping that episode. It is um, really horrible Mm. because the way they talk about it is like, if you miss or if you like shoot them, but don't kill them, I'm going to kill you. So you need to kill that animal right away because they can't be in pain, you know? Yeah. And the other horrible part is like, he was like, they'll come right up to you. Yeah. Which we can cut this because it's horrible. I was just like sobbing the whole, I was basically crying the whole time. There were so many people involved in this cleanup. I, like, haven't been able to find a clear number on this because there's just, like, so many accounts and so many different records. But records suggest that over 600,000 people were part of the liquidation process. Wow. Yeah. And I'm not even talking about the places, like, the additional cities that were affected. This created, like, huge, massive radioactive clouds over, like, Europe and different parts. Like, it it affected the whole region. It was really fucked. So the first official explanation of the accident was given by Soviet scientists and engineers led by Valery Legosov, our boy, to representatives of the International Atomic Energy Agency in Vienna on August 25th to 29th in 1986. During this five-hour hearing, Legosov stated that human error combined with the faulty design of the reactor were the primary causes of the incident. He did, however, stress that human negligence and unpreparedness were the bigger factor in what caused the incident. Hmm. We later learned that this is not true, but I'll keep... Mm. As we've learned, there are two parts to this horrible fucking shit. Right. So at the end of the session, he was given a standing ovation for his efforts to contain the situation, and he was ranked one of the world's top ten scientists. He would later go on after Vienna to vocalize the political pressure to censor the mention of Soviet nuclear secrecy in his report. So, you know, basically making him downplay the fucking part where... There's faulty shit equipment yeah. that they knew about nine years earlier. Right, right, But right, did right. nothing about. Right. Because the other thing is, I think the Brits were looking into RBMK reactors, and they, like, brought up these, like, huge faults, and the USSR was just like, okay, sounds good. They, like, just yeah. didn't do anything, you know? right. So the international community applauded Legazov's detailed and frank review of the circumstances in the aftermath of the meltdown, It was in deep contrast to the attitude of the majority of the Soviet government who had tried to downplay everything. Mm -hmm. He was lauded internationally for his commitment during the disaster. He didn't leave the site until the situation was contained, unlike other members of the emergency team who rotated in and out of Chernobyl to avoid contamination. He advocated for increased safety in nuclear, chemical, and biological technology. Legazov was, however, ridiculed by his colleagues for his handling of the accident despite receiving international praise for it. He was excluded from a seat on the Scientific and Technical Council, what? the Kurchatov Institute of Atomic Energy, where he was once the deputy director. Haters. Yeah. Legasov was the only member of the Chernobyl disaster team who was not awarded the title Hero of Socialist Labor, which was a prestigious national award. What the fuck? It's because he spoke out against the Soviet government. And they can ruin you. Yeah. Just like any government. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yay! Yay! It's rumored also that Legasov somehow blamed himself for the suffering caused by Chernobyl, having to calculate the lives 
that were lost versus risked and make impossible decisions. Yeah. Which would weigh on anybody. Oh, yeah, for sure. Tragically, on the second anniversary of the Chernobyl disaster and one day before he was due to release the outcomes of the investigation into the causes of the disaster, Lagazov hanged himself in his <sighs> Moscow apartment. Oh, man. He recorded five audio tapes that detailed the truth of Chernobyl, his disillusionment with the government, and the lack of organization within the USSR to deal with the situation. Reports state that when officials entered his apartment to check for radiation, the meter continued to beep with a significant amount of radiation from everything he had used. All of his belongings had to be burned. Wow. Lagasov was posthumously awarded Hero of the Russian Federation on September 20th, 1996, for the courage and heroism he displayed in his investigation. While there is a rough agreement that a total of 31 to 54 people died from blast trauma or acute radiation syndrome as a direct result of the disaster, there is still debate around the number of deaths due to the long-term health effects. Estimates ranging from 4,000 to no fewer than 93,000 can be attributed, potentially, to the Chernobyl disaster. And that is the story of Chernobyl. Damn. And I am very glad it's over because I couldn't go any further. It hurt too much. There's so much more in here. There's a whole criminal trial within the Soviet Union for Dyatlov, who was yelling at the people. And, you know, the plant manager. It's interesting because those three men that I brought up in the first episode, they were all set to be, like, promoted almost. Like, they were Mm. all kind of... I think there was, like, some power stuff going on. Um, And so they just all had this really big incentive to do that, to, to get that shit done. And it's like... I was don't, it worth it? I don't think it was worth it, man. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. worth it. And like I said, 31 to 54 people died pretty much in the direct aftermath. Right. But there are so many more health issues and oh, mental yeah. health issues. And there's a lot of studies coming out that are talking about the effects of Chernobyl. Again, I would probably die if I tried to do that because I just don't think I can emotionally handle it right now. Mm-hmm. But... If you are interested, there is content out there for you. Wow. It's really sad because of so many reasons, but it's also like, to me, amazing that humans can, I don't want to say it, like it somehow makes me think like, oh, that's right. We all sometimes will do things for the greater good. Mm -hmm. And those people who did that were like, they're heroes. They're straight up heroes. If it just kept going. Right. You know, where would we be? Yeah. Yeah, we have them to thank for. Yeah, like all, the world. all those people who volunteered or you know helped clean or dug the hole or whatever they had no. <laughs> well, they had no bearing. It was not their fault at all. You know, right. they just happened to be there. Right. You could say no. Fuck this. I'm not yeah. doing this. Yeah. But they didn't. Right. Because they did what they had. To, what had to be done. Right. It Every, wasn't their mess, but they had to clean it up. Exactly. And it's like. Of course, the people who had a hand in a lot of this shit, it's like, well, just just yeah. lives to them, you know? Yeah, like, the government lying it, and lives, lies, lies and lies. And like, honestly, could you imagine if Sweden didn't <sighs> fucking yeah. call, the, <laughs> call their cause, dad? Because <laughs> exactly, because like how much longer would have gone on? I also heard somewhere that maybe like 
a U.S. satellite had gotten a picture of Chernobyl. I couldn't find more on that. So I'm like, maybe that was just a rumor. Hmm. America being weird and being like, we found it. Yeah. (laughs) There's like so many amazing and really interesting stories and just like recounts of it. And if you want to learn more, it is such a fascinating topic. Maybe when I'm in a better emotional state, I will go back to you know there's a piece called the voices of chernobyl which has a lot of firsthand accounts and it's just it's it's crazy wow another job of the military was going door to door and making people evacuate Mm -hmm. and i was like thinking about i was like i don't think americans would do that no of course not they'd be like this is my house you can't stay in here yeah right yeah it's horrible and so guys thanks for listening (laughs) Sorry, couldn't be more happy. Maybe we'll do something more fun next time. We definitely will. D, 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 Wink. D, D, D. It's not dick, is it? No. Not unless it's Ben Franklin's dick. All right. Enough of that. <laughs> enough. Should I not? Uh, don't sully his name. Yeah, don't sully his name. The beautiful Ben Franklin. I love him. All right. All right, All right y'all. Thanks for listening. Please follow us on our social networks. All of them are at by the letter pod and we'll talk to you next time you can email us at by the letter pod at gmail.com if you have any questions comments concerns or you can let us know how we're doing um yes but the best way to let us know how we're doing is giving us a star rating and a review on itunes because that, that really helps would us be out lovely we appreciate you guys it. if you like this content let us know mm-hmm. and we'll keep it coming we'll keep it coming anyways if you don't like it <laughs> That's right. We'll never shut up. We'll never We're just shut two up. best friends with a computer and we know how to edit sound. That's it. <laughs> Literally, we were planning for this since we were friends cuz we made Facebook videos. Oh no. That will never resurface. Never ever. ever again. The metaverse has them now. <laughs> oh my god. Don't. It does. It does. I know. I oh, should delete god. it. Oh god. All right. Everybody, goodbye. Love you. Goodbye. Mark Zuckerberg's an oppressive government. <laughs> <laughs>